Okay, so welcome back to All Things Quarantine. I am super, super excited about my next guest. It is one of my favorite, favorite uncles of all time, and his name is Jim Cummings. So welcome, Uncle Jimmy. I am like pumped that you said yes to my podcast. Well, thank you, Juliet. And it's, uh, also, um, you are one of my favorite nieces. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we shouldn't play this back for any of the family members. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I have many nieces and, and nephews as well. Um, I love you all. <laughs> I know, but you know what? I actually, you guys heard him. You heard what he said, right? So I, I have this on recording and this is going to go over the air. So <laughs> in your faces, nieces. <laughs> Mom, excuse me, mom. Mom, excuse me. Mom, excuse me, Welcome to Next Stop Crazy Town. This is Juliette Hahn, and I am the host of this weekly pod. I'm going to be sharing with you guys a little glimpse of my crazy world. I'm a mom of three, and I have two crazy boxer dogs. I will have guests some weeks, and some weeks it will just be me, but I will always be talking about uncomfortable things that have happened to me before motherhood or during motherhood. I just want you to know that you are not alone in this crazy world. Things happen that people don't like to talk about, but guess what? I do. I cannot wait for you guys to join me every week just to get a little luck. So there's many reasons why I asked my uncle to be on. Uh, We have had a very fun relationship our whole lives. And then I also wanted him to talk about something that's very special to his heart. But so Uncle Jimmy spent a lot of time, as he can say, there's how many of you in in the family? I'm the youngest of seven. Yes. And so my mom is the second. So Uncle Jimmy got to spend a lot of time and my mom and dad had kids right away. So Uncle Jimmy like spent a lot of time with us and we, I just have such fond memories um, growing up. And then... I went to college in New Jersey, right near where he lived with his wife, Rayanne, my aunt Rayanne, and I got to work with him. He owned at the time a, tell, tell us a little bit about the, the carpet company. Yeah. So I owned a carpet cleaning franchise uh, for almost 25 years. And I believe you were a college student at the time, Juliet, yeah. and uh, I had you work with me. We, we did jobs together. So we have a lot of history, uh, interesting <laughs> history for sure. But uh, the, the time that you were my sidekick there on the carpet cleaning truck, uh, those are special memories. That, they uh, are. They're so fun. And, and he said he didn't want, he was like, no, I don't think we should talk about that. But there was one time I'll <laughs> never forget. But we, so as we were growing up and as, so Uncle Jimmy is, is not six foot. We'll just put it that way. He's a little shorter than six foot. So... <laughs> As we were growing up, um, it was like a, a milestone when we passed him in in height, and he would still say, "No, no, you didn't." But so when we worked together, there was a time. I guess we were going to Home Depot, and I don't know, but both of us have memories of like locking each other in a locker. <laughs> Juliet, I was hoping you weren't going to tell that story. Um, I-, I think he locked me in the locker. Is what happened. <laughs> Well, you got out nonetheless. And, uh, <laughs> I did. You've had a, a wonderful life thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> we have. But so I kind of remember, and it was kind of uh, funny, and, and Uncle Jim can say, as 
as a kid, as you guys have heard from, you know, some of my other podcast guests that knew me when I was a child, I definitely was a character. And so I added, you know, so locking me in the locker probably wasn't the strangest thing. I probably was like, yeah, sure. I'll go in the locker. What's going to happen? <laughs> well, I think the surprise might be that I let you out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm sure I was not quiet on our our car rides and our truck rides. Um, I'm sure I gave you a lot of a lot of um, stuff to listen to because <laughs> I'm sure I talked and talked and talked. But I do. I have such fond memories of of working with you at Door Clean, and um, I mean, you, as you know, as I said, you hold a very special place in my heart. And um, so. Uncle Jimmy then moved from New Jersey. I obviously moved on, um, moved from New Jersey. And now how long have you been in Colorado? About three and a half years now. Okay. Um, and how, I'm just going to ask before we get into Urban Promise, but how did you, like, how has been quarantine been? You know, it's getting old, uh, to be honest. So this is six weeks now, I believe, that uh, Rayanne and I have been homebound. Um, I mean, I've been working, so uh, fortunate for that. Also, you know, it's kind of hard to complain when the refrigerator's full and, uh, right. you know, you have a nice home to be in. But I, you know, I'm working from home and I was traveling back and forth to New Jersey uh, with my work. So it's a big part of me that uh, misses what's happening on the front lines there uh, in Camden. Right. So Jimmy sold the Dura Clean Company and he got into something. Um, it's called Urban Promise Ministries. And we were talking, we we do like family Zooms. And so everyone has been talking about, you know, what's hard for them. And and one of the reasons why I wanted, you know, my uncle to come on is because, you know, he kind of brought light to something that a lot of us that are fortunate that have houses, have, you know, families that love us, that we're in good situations, we have food and all that. But there's you know, big population out there that doesn't. And, you know, this is one of the podcasts that's not going to be as, as light because I really wanted my uncle to come on and talk about, you know, the kids that he works with, with Urban Promise and give us a little background on that. And, um, you know, to think about that and to really, you know, know how blessed we are to have things, you know, a, a family, a nice family, you know, a supportive family, a loving family. So the, the kids that you, you know, take us, Take us back to like before quarantine, you know, like, so what did you do with Urban Promise? What is Urban Promise? Can you give us a little background on that? Yeah, sure. So Juliet, Urban Promise Ministries, which began in Camden 32 years ago. And Camden, New Jersey. So Camp, we'll just- Camden, New Jersey, one of the poorest, one of the most violent cities in America, directly across the river from Philadelphia, is the place where I've really found myself, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we talked about the cleaning franchise that I owned. And in the uh, 2004, I started to volunteer at this youth development ministry in Camden, Urban Promise. And my idea was to start an outdoor club. I've always had a love for nature, being in the outdoors, adventures. Yeah. And I thought I would share this with uh, kids growing up in the inner city. And I love that. A- after a year of volunteering, I really discovered, uh, I believe it was my calling. Um, I just felt like I wanted to do this the rest of my life. And that's been 16 years ago. I started a program called Urban Trekkers, where I've taken high school students all over the United States and part of the world. Uh, we've yeah. gone to Mexico where the monarch butterflies winter. We've gone to the Pacific Northwest. 
Um, we go up to Maine every summer. We've been to the Everglades. Uh, we've been to some incredible, amazing places. And my idea at the beginning of it all, Juliet, was to take kids out of the city to give them some different experiences. And what's been so amazing about this journey for me is that Camden, New Jersey is a city surrounded by water, the Delaware River, uh, small tributaries, the Cooper River. And we started to really explore our own urban waterways. We built boats, we built our own canoes and kayaks. I do that with students from sixth grade through 12th grade. But you know, I, I have to say one thing, Julia, I don't get to do all the fun stuff anymore. The program is really fun. <laughs> I have a staff of about six people. Um, most of my work today is, is writing, speaking, and raising money for the program. But uh, you know, once again, the young people that I work with uh, through our program are some phenomenal, amazing young people that uh, I, you know, they're just incredibly resilient considering some of the circumstances of their lives. Right. So I, I love that you do that. I think that's so special. And I think, I mean, the amount of kids that you've touched, I'm sure in this last 16 years has been such a special thing for you to know that you've actually bettered someone's life. And I think that's what's like, I mean, so special about you period, but like what an opportunity that you're giving to these kids to show them that there's more out there and that they can do more. Like, I mean, who, I'm sure there's so many of them that never were even in a boat, you know, and then you're, you're building boats and they're like, you know what? I kind of like this. Like I, I just, that gives me the chills to think about how many of those kids that you've, you know, touched in such a, it, it, you know, touched their hearts in such a special way. So I know the, the boat stuff that's been, I mean, I remember I had taken my kids and my mom, we went when you did like the, uh, the releasing of the monarch butterfly, butterflies. Right. I remember that some years ago. We yeah. I mean, my, my kids still remember that, you know, they're like, oh, that's when we went and, you know, with uncle Jimmy and, 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 and that was like, you know, that was like really, really cool. And as the programs developed is when you've done more of the traveling and, 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 and done more th- stuff. And that's through the fundraising of people that you're able to, you know, kind of do your stuff. I mean, and you guys are not going to see this as um, much as I, cause I know, but my uncle's got like a phenomenal personality and is just fun, but also just like a really good person. Like it, it's so, it, this is like such a perfect thing for him to do. And it's just, it's, it's really special. So what, what have been some of your favorite trips? Oh gosh, Juliet. Um, you know, one of the trips we do every year now is to Assateague Island, uh, National Seashore off the coast of Maryland, has the wild ponies. Some, some of uh, your listeners might remember as a child, a book called Misty of Chincoteague. Chincoteague is right next door to Assateague Island. But, um, you know, one of the things I would always do, we, I'd get all the kids up to watch the sunrise uh, come up over the Atlantic. And I would read the, um, the Genesis story, the first book of the Bible. And um, I would stop around, oh gosh, after uh, a few verses. And um, what's very interesting about that particular uh, verse in the Bible, it's, you know, seven days of, or six days of creation, the seventh day of rest. And on the third day, the first is the first time the writer uses the phrase, and God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. And it brought me back to thinking about kids in the boat shop. 
And when they would first come in, what you just said, some of them you had, had never been in a boat. Some of them wouldn't even know what a canoe was. Right. And now they're going to build a canoe. And I just had this image of like day one, the kids in the shop, they're all kind of anxious. They're not sure what it's all about. Um, uh, there's a pile of wood. There's blueprints. And then after several weeks, uh, you know, almost a month and a half, this boat starts to take form. It takes shape. And at that point, you can see a real change in just the attitude of the young kids who are building the boat. They can now really imagine what this is going to look like. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And they probably are. It's also like a proud moment for them. Like I created this. That is like such a cool thing. And you know, at Assateague and Chincoteague, when I was in college, you introduced me to those two islands. And I remember I went with some friends and that was like one of the most special places we stayed in like a little cottage. Um, I love like the wild horses are just so gorgeous, but I'm sorry, I interjected. So like watching them like create this boat. Yeah. So I would ask the kids as the sun is coming up, I'm reading Genesis. Was there anything that they had ever made that they just later stood back and stared and just marveled and felt such an incredible sense of pride? And one kid raised his hand and said, hey, Mr. C, you know, I built this bookshelf and my grandmom has it on the wall in our living room. And there's pictures of the family. And every time I see it, I just think I made that. I made that. Another girl raised her hand and said, Mom, Mr. C, it was this Mother's Day card that I made that my mom has on the wall in our house. And then there was a third girl who just kind of looked at me and said, well, duh, Mr. C, it was when I built the boat last year in the shop. But she goes, you know, the best part of it was the day we launched it and I shared it with my mother and my sister. I took them out on the Cooper River. And I just thought like, wow, there it is. It, It was the sharing. You know, um, that's the most important piece to all of this creation. Yeah. She was able to show her, her sister and mom, like, look what I, you know, this program has given me the ability to like step out of my comfort zone, do something that, you know, I didn't think I had the ability to do. And then the fact that she was able to share it, that's like such a beautiful thing. And like, think about how many of those kids in those 16 years that you've done that for, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's hard to tell you what was my favorite trip or my favorite place. I I think I've probably been known to say that about every single place I ever took <laughs> kids to. That this is my favorite. Well, because but that's that's the beauty of who you are. Anything you're doing in that moment, that's what you love, which is which is really cool. So then that takes me to like you with quarantine. I mean, some of so you you're not doing the programs, right? You can't do the programs because everyone can't be close. So what are you still? Like, what are those kids doing? Or, and if you can share, because I'm sure there's, you know, sometimes that you can't, but like, I'm sure there's some kids in your mind that you think about that kind of give you that, like a pang, like you're like, you know, are you still in contact with them all the time? Or like, is it that, you know, since they're not going to like, you've lost some touch with some kids, like how's, how does that work? So the staff is, um, we, everybody's still working on my team back in Camden. And uh, we've done some pretty creative ways in which to stay in touch. Last, last Saturday, we went out, uh, the team went out and delivered what we call Trekker Survival Kits. And they went to each house uh, of the students. In that survival kit were the ingredients to make Trekker pizzas. Uh, oh, cool. Trekker- Spectre pizzas are something we make on every uh, camping trip around the fire. 
they dropped off things like jump ropes and spats and, uh, you know, toilet paper and, um, you know, just essentials as well. So that, that's getting done every week. Um, the kids are posting uh, videos. We, we have them on Facebook. So there's assignments that, here's a good one, Juliet. So um, one group of students, we call them stream stewards, and they do water quality testing on the Cooper and on the Delaware River. And the guy, Tommy, who runs my boat shop, has been collecting water samples, dropping them off to the different kids who have the test kits in their homes. So they're still doing water quality testing. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. So, um, Wait, so I, I, I want to interject with that. So like with the pollution being down, I'm sure, because there's less cars, are you seeing a difference in the water quality there? Um, you know, I can't speak to that, Juliet, but I can tell you, I mean, some really, really exciting stuff has happened in the last, in the last uh, month. The Delaware River has been designated the top river in the United States of America by the uh, a national organization called American Rivers because of how clean it's become. The Cooper River, which flows through Camden and is a tributary that dumps into the Delaware, has just received what's called a Category 1 designation by the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. It's the only river in the state of New Jersey, the only urban river in the state of New Jersey to receive that designation. There's some incredible things that are happening in the urban waterways in the Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey area that have drawn national attention. That's really cool. Is that because of less traffic or you don't know? That's just, it's just. No, it's, it's, it's a lot of things, Juliet. Um, you know, I mean, I'll take it all the way back to the Clean Water Act of 1972. Okay. Um, but there, you know, ha- has been a lot that has been done to make urban rivers cleaner than they ever were. So I would tell you the Delaware is a river that's cleaner than it's been in in probably 50 to 60 years. And um, fish and wildlife that have returned, those rivers are thriving in a very healthy way. And it's, it's a surprise to many people. And our students have been part of that process. We've been involved with this for about 10 years now. That's really cool. So do you have any, like, um, anything off the top of your head, like a student that um, has done, because of like this testing, I'm sure, like that you know, kids wouldn't have had that opportunity, right? So they, they would never have known, you know what, this actually interests me. I really like that. Have yeah. you had any like specific case of, of student that you can think of that went into something and it was a direct correlation of, or like they went to, you know, college and they probably maybe weren't going to, you know, other than just all the the things that they are getting out of urban truckers. Can you think of any certain situation? And you might not be allowed to, you know, discuss it. I don't know, but. No, I, I, I can, Julia. I, I would share with you when I first began this work, most of the kids that uh, would go off to college would generally study two different fields, one of which would have been criminal justice, the other would be social work. Okay. And it was the things that they were exposed to. I have had, uh, gosh, quite a few students now that have gone off and have studied biology, environmental sciences. So clearly it's made a difference because, again, exposure. I'll tell you a real interesting story that just happened um, back in November, December. And it's an intersection of three different students. 
one young girl, Janice, in her second year of law school at Rutgers in Camden, she was one of the first kids in the boat building program in 2009. And at that time, she was part of a group of students that built two sailboats. And Janice and all the kids in that build, none of them knew how to swim. None of them really had any connection to the rivers, to water. Um, So it was a really foreign um, experience. Building a boat, obviously, was a really foreign experience. And Janice was talking with me. She spoke at one of our uh, events. And she said, you know, Mr. C, that year of learning how to swim, building a boat, I really credit that to where I am today as a law school student. She said, frankly, building the boat, a lot of it was pretty boring, the sanding week after week after week. But I had never committed myself to such a long-term project. And when it was done, I had created this masterpiece, this beautiful boat. And then I learned how to sail. Um, She said, I I still do that. And That's super cool. And then two weeks later, I get a Facebook message from another young man, Chris, also in his second year of law school at Washington Law School in St. Louis, one of the finest law schools in the mm-hmm. country. Lois, uh, Chris says to me, you know, Mr. C, I'd do anything to be working with my hands in that boat shop right now. <sighs> I'm buried in my books. And it could have been a week later, I get a letter from another young man, Luis, who's in prison. Mm-hmm. Luis was also one of the kids in the boat building program. And he said, you know, Mr. C, when I tell the guys on my cell block where I've been, what I've done, they just roll their eyes. They can't believe it. He said, thank you for all the men. A lot of guys volunteer in that boat shop to work yeah. alongside these kids. And he said, you tell those guys, and he named them, that I think about them every day. So, yeah. That's it, very cool. It, it, yeah. It's it's the fruit of the labor, for sure. But you know what's also really cool? Because this is the thing that like, I, I talk to like the women that I work with. Um, because a lot of times, you know, you become a mom and you don't, you stop thinking about yourself and you start, stop thinking about things that make you happy. And you, you know, you're like, I love being a mom. I love doing that. But then there comes a time when your kids get a little older and it happens a lot. All of a sudden you're like, okay, well, I, they don't need me the same way. Now what, what do I do? And you kind of lose yourself. And the thing that you're giving to those kids is something that they can remember. Wait, I really enjoyed building this, or I really enjoyed doing that. I need to get back to that. And like, and, and it's such an important thing for people to remember that it's not always about work, 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 work. It's not always about, you know, the hustle and the bustle. Like you have to do what you love because you get one life, right? And mm-hmm. doing what you love is so, so important. And um, you're teaching those kids that because, you know, look, they, they built boats, but they also are going to law school because they, they have a passion for that to, you know, do that but they can do, you know, kind of incorporate the two things, which I think is like super, super cool. It is. I love that. Can I share a quote? Yes, please. Yes. No, this, this is my favorite quote. And I think it's really what I, how I see my work. Um, It's by E.E. Cummings, a poet in the first half of the 20th century American poet. And, And here it is. We do not believe in ourselves until someone reveals that deep inside us is something valuable, worth listening to, 
worthy of our trust, sacred to our touch. Once we believe in ourselves, we can risk curiosity, wonder, spontaneous delight, or any experience that reveals the human spirit. I love that. I love it too, because Juliet, I, I, I firmly believe that everyone, every child born has a God-given gift. Mm-hmm. And the saddest thing is so often that gift is never realized, never discovered. And when you're able or in a place that you can help young people discover what their gifts are and, and how to use those gifts to make the world a better place, I don't know if there's anything more rewarding. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. It, it really it really is. And it, it is... I just love that you said that because it really, like you are in such a perfect position to see that. And I'm sure like you can't wait to get back to those kids. And, you know, when this quarantine's over, you know, obviously we all need to do the right thing, but it's also like, okay, well, <laughs> let's move this, let's move this along. And it's special that you guys are still connected with them and still doing things so that, you know, they see, but as you said, the fact that you're giving them tools to kind of tap into things that they don't like, or a matter of fact is, I mean, things that they like, they might find things that they're like, you know what? I don't like that at all. And I never want to do it, which again is a huge thing. I tell my kids that all the time, like just try everything because it's really important when you become an adult. Cause there's going to be things that you are like, no, I do not like that. And I never want to do it. And it kind of helps you, right? Like, oh, Julianne, I'm just, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because I can't tell you how many kids have said to me after hiking, you know, three, three days on the Appalachian Trail with 40 pounds on their back, like, hey, thanks, Mr. C, but this just ain't me. <laughs> right. I'm sure. But that's the thing. Like, they, they kind of are like, okay, you know what? I, I definitely don't want to do that, which is also a gift, right? I mean, that's also a really big gift because it's really important to know what you like and what you don't like. And what really, you might be like, I don't really like hiking. Or you might be like, I really, really hate it. It's not that I don't like it. I hate it. It doesn't bring me joy. And <laughs> you don't have to do hiking, right? So there's things in life that, like, as I tell my kids, I hate doing the dishes. I hate emptying the dishwasher. I hate cooking, but sometimes I have to do it. And so I have to find a way to make it a little bit better, right? So I can't go into it and be like, oh, I hate this and be so negative about it because I have to do it. So I got to find something, whether it's putting music on, whether it's, you know, when I'm cooking, maybe have a glass of wine, you know, something to make it a little bit more enjoyable or getting the kids involved to make it a little bit more enjoyable. But there's things that you're going to find that, right, you have to do, but there's the things that you really, really don't like and you actually really don't have to do. <laughs> well, you know, there there was a young girl one day. She was sitting outside of her classroom. She had gotten herself in some trouble with uh, the English uh, teacher. So I was sitting beside her and just kind of, you know, um, consoling her. And um, she was just really, really angry. And, and this young woman was a very creative writer because um, when we go out on tricker trips, we do a lot of journaling and mm-hmm. share around the fire. And probably one of the most creative uh, thinkers that uh, I had known. And um, she was angry with the English teacher. She'd gotten a paperback and it was all marked up in red. Her grammar was horrible. Her spelling was really bad. And, um, you know, I shared with her that I was horrible in math. Mm -hmm. And I hated math. 
And she looked at me puzzled and said, but Mr. C, you know, you build boats and there's so much math involved when we start that. You know, how did you ever get into that? And I said, well, you know, the math is a tool that I need so I can build that boat. But what I really love about the boat is when it's finished and going out on the river or going out on the lake, having adventures and seeing, seeing different wildlife. So it's the tool. And I said, you know, and, and, and in writing, some of what you, know, you don't like are the tools to really writing and communicating. So you, you, you learn that to do what you love. And totally. uh, you know, I think we can all relate to that. I do. So I want, um, I'm going to share a quote, but I want you first to tell how people can go and donate to Urban Trekkers. And I'll put yeah. this in the show notes as well. So you can, you know, people can read, but what, where, where can they go? Can you tell us the website or whatever? Yeah. So we have a website and it's uh, urbantrekkers.org, U-R-B-A-N-T-R-E-K-K-E-R-S, urbantrekkers.org. And you can do it through that website pretty easy. So I, yeah, I would just direct you there. That's great. Okay. Thank you. And thank you so much again for like coming on. I love this guys. If you like what you heard, you've been listening to all things quarantine, please share with your friends, rate and comment on the podcast. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at Juliet, J-U-L-I-E-T at nextstopcrazytown.com. But I will share a little quote, kind of a, a funny quarantine thing. Um, people are calling. I survived the great toilet paper scare of 2020. And I do have to say, we are almost out of toilet paper and we cannot find any. <laughs> so we keep looking, counting. Oh, okay. Let's hope, hope Amazon comes up with some because uh, we're going to be taking showers, I guess, after going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Juliet, someone said to me, my family's using toilet paper like it's 2019. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Right. You, you have to, you despair square. You, you can't be balling it all up. I know it's, it's, it's crazy, but thank you so much. I love you to pieces. And um, I really appreciate you being on here and I can't wait till we can see each other soon. Okay, Juliet. Thanks. Wonderful talking with you. I hope you liked this episode of Next Stop Crazy Town. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in every week. For more information, check out nextstopcrazytown.com.